0: The first lesson for this Lord's Day is found in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 7, verses 15 through 25. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh I am a slave to the law of sin. The Gospel lesson for this Lord's Day is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 11, Verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, He has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Ken. I want to mention that Ken came by the office this week after having read both of those passages five or six times in preparation for this morning. And he said, Dennis, I'm, I'm really trying to <clears throat> make sense of these. What, can, can you help me out and, and uh, help me understand these passages? And me, always on the lookout for spiritual insights and knowing of Ken's great uh, spiritual depth, I said, well, well, Ken, what do you think? What?" What light can you shed on them for me? And he proceeded to lay out uh, enough different uh, ideas that would have really been a wonderful uh, sermon series for the entire summer. Uh, and one of those uh, beautiful insights is what inspired me in the days that followed as I uh, prayerfully prepared for this, this sermon. So thank you for that, Ken, and for the gift you, you are to us uh, every day. Let's pray. We're grateful, holy God, that your word is a a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We sometimes prefer darkness. We sometimes prefer that that path that that we would come up with, that we would chart, but we're grateful that you give us the gift of grace, the the gift of your word, your light before us, that we might follow the path that, that you call us to, if we'll but say yes to that invitation. And to that end, O Lord, we pray that your spirit will continue to speak to us, that your spirit will continue to to guide us as these words of yours are uh, reflected on and unpacked. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name, amen. How does God call us to respond when people we look up to, maybe even view as a hero, let us down? It's the question I invite us to consider. I heard about a college student who wrote a letter to her parents. It said, Dear Mom and Dad, there was a riot on campus. From the smoke I inhaled, I developed a serious illness. At the hospital, I met a parking lot attendant and we fell in love. Our baby is on the way. After one month, when he gets off probation, I'm going to drop out of college, we're going to move to Alaska, and we're going to get married. Signed, Your Loving Daughter." At the bottom, there was a PS. It read, none of what I just wrote was true, but I did fail chemistry. (laughs) The perspective that we bring to a relationship, or to a moment of disappointment in a relationship, that perspective makes all the difference. This past week, I saw one of my dearest friends and mentors. He's someone I look up to, and I had the blessing of sharing lunch with him. He's a minister about five years older than me. He was my field education supervisor during my second year of seminary. I served each Sunday in the small church in Philadelphia where he was the pastor during his very first call. He preached the sermon right here at BRPC, the night I was ordained. And he has been a role model and mentor to me ever since. And here's what I want to make clear about this friend of mine. He has never let me down. He has never disappointed me. The words of his public life have always been consistent with the reality of his private life. Every time I have sought his counsel, his support, his encouragement, he has generously given it to me. He's never let me down what I wonder this morning is, how does God call us to respond when people do let us down, when our heroes disappoint us, when our role models reveal that the person they said they were is not actually who they are? I don't follow the New York Yankees as closely as I did when I was a teenager, I can recall the. Uh, more of the names of their 1977 pitching staff than their present pitching staff. But I read this week in the paper the story of one of their star pitchers being sidelined from playing due to domestic abuse charges. And I think of the 10-year-old child who looks up to him and who wears his jersey, who saves newspaper clippings or baseball cards that contain his photo and how disappointed that 10-year-old child will be when they discover why their hero won't be pitching in any Yankee games anytime soon. This past week, a Newark police officer was found guilty of manslaughter and a range of other criminal charges. Back in 2019, he was on duty and performed a routine traffic stop, and the driver took off and he chased after him. And during that chase, he fired his weapon on three separate occasions, killing the driver, critically injuring the passenger. A police officer a person sworn to protect and serve, a person carefully screened and chosen and trained. I think of the school-age children or others of us who look up to police, who perhaps looked up to that very officer in the disappointment and confusion, certainly for young people, that they will now feel. I think of the political leaders here in the U.S. during my lifetime who ran campaigns based on integrity and vision, who won elections and took an oath to uphold the Constitution and serve the common good, and who broke those promises and sorely disappointed those constituents. There's no need for me to name any of them, to throw any of their photos up on the screens. Whatever your political party or persuasion, there's plenty of disappointment to go around. And perhaps the most vivid example of all this morning is the Apostle Paul himself in his letter to Romans. Paul, one of the great heroes of our faith, a prolific author of the New New Testament, a champion of the gospel. Some of you have even named a child after him. He acknowledges with honesty and vulnerability that he is not as perfect as we sometimes think. His life is not as in alignment with the life of Christ as fully and consistently as we imagine it to be. He too struggles, he too sins, He, too, disappoints. He writes, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. And I'll say that one more time. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Wonder if any of us have ever uttered those words in a prayer to God. Have you ever had a hero let you down? Have you ever had someone you look up to disappoint you? Maybe it was a parent or a pastor or a political leader or someone else you trusted and looked up to. What do you do when that happens? How do you navigate that without becoming sour and cynical? In the brief remaining minutes of this sermon, I offer three words of spiritual encouragement. And number one is, know it will happen. Expect it, do not be Surprised by it. All of us fall short, all of us mess up, including those you look to and admire. There are no exceptions. I love that sign that says, I wish I was as good a person as my dog thinks I am. (laughs) Do you ever feel that way? I do. I never forget for a minute, most days at least, how human and how imperfect I am, how regularly I fall short, and the propensity that I have to disappoint. The people you look up to and admire are imperfect humans. We often wish they weren't. There's something in us that yearns to have someone we can rally around and and look to. who will be perfect, but this side of heaven they will continue to stumble and sin. When that happens, do not be surprised by it. Spiritual word of encouragement number two. When those you look up to as a hero or role model disappoint you, extend the same grace to them that God extends to them. It's one of the Apostle Paul's primary themes. Grace. All of us are reliant upon the unearned love of God in order to be reconciled to God. We do not receive the gift of salvation through our own efforts, our own good works, our own perfection. We receive it as a gift of God's grace, which means God's unearned and undeserved love for us, grace that God generously pours into each of our lives. It's striking to me how frequently we humans like to keep track of the sins and mistakes of others. We chart them. We list them. We keep an accounting of them. Yet God, the creator of the universe and of each one of us, is so quick to forgive and to forget them, is so quick to extend grace. What a gift it is to extend grace to another person, both for the person receiving it as well as for the person who is extending it. Try this week, each day, to extend grace to someone who's not expecting it. And in some moment where it would be reasonable for you to to criticize or or to be anger, to condemn someone in some way, it would be understandable. Instead, in that moment, surprise that person with your kindness, with your flexibility, with your ability to forgive. See what that's like. Use some new muscles if that's what it requires. Discover or rediscover what a joy and delight that can be for you. And the third and final word of spiritual encouragement, and the most important one, is this. Look to Almighty God as your ultimate source of strength and purpose and identity, not any other human. In the years following the death of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, her journals revealed the great spiritual struggles that were part of her life, the moments of doubt and darkness. It it shocked and disheartened a great number of people. She was one of the most revered heroes for Christians, combining the inward life of great spiritual depth and devotion to prayer with the outer life of giving love and compassion to those who so often society discards and abandons. And upon learning of the dark nights of the soul that she endured, the doubts that even she had. Some people of faith thought, well, if you can't look up to Mother Teresa, who in the world can you look up to? The theologian once said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person and it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God The God made known to us through Jesus Christ. And friends, we get ourselves into all kinds of trouble time and time again by letting other things, including other people, our heroes and role models included, fill the space in our hearts that can only be filled by God. And so look to God and no one else as your ultimate source of strength and purpose and identity. Build your house on that foundation. Seek out your ultimate purpose and identity. Nowhere else. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.